Right. Going to start this one off with a hot little language advisory. No holds barred on this particular podcast. We're going to go at it. Alex, yeah. what is this... wrong with this stupid basketball team? Yeah, well, this is the Thunder fan meltdown uh, edition of the Oklahoma Drill. Yeah. So welcome. Thunder fan meltdown 2K19. Let's go. <laughs> Um, so we are recording, there's, there's, you know, about 10 seconds left in the Thunder Heat game tonight. The Thunder about to lose to the Miami goddamn Heat, um, because of course they are. And this Thunder team has been just dreadful in their last, their last 13 games. They're now four and nine, which seems just, it seems hard to do. Um, yeah. With the team, with, with the, the players that they have. Yeah. And, with the easiest schedule yeah. in the NBA. Yeah, it's just, I can't, so here's my thing. I, I texted you tonight because I was I just couldn't go any longer without just spewing like some, some cuss words about this yep. stupid basketball Just got the team. final from ESPN, Thunder lost by nine. Goran Dragic dropping a hot double-double, 26 points, 11 assists. Yeah, in 29 minutes, yeah, awesome stuff. Um. So my thing with this Thunder team is that I all season, you know, at I, there's been times where I've really, really enjoyed this team and I've thought, wow, this team is really good. But as some of my friends that I talk to regularly can attest to, I have been complaining about this team all season. I've yeah. been kind of uncharacteristically for my standards. Like I'm generally a pretty optimistic fan. Like I, I like to think of things positively i think you know most of you will know that from our ou podcast and that our football podcast and that i'm usually looking for a positive spin on things and this thunder team i just have not been able to have that approach with and it really comes down to the fact that i do not like i don't think that this thunder team makes good decisions on the basketball court like that's just been my issue with them all season yeah, and I know one of the things that I think you're going to talk about later is that this Thunder team has issues blowing teams out and but also teams can't mm-hmm. blow them out. It's kind of it's kind of a weird thing other than the Warriors, but they don't count. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that when the Thunder get in a position that they could potentially turn a game into a blowout and just end it. Let's say, for example, the Indiana Pacers game that happened this past week. They were up 19 points in the third quarter. They easily, they looked unbelievably good in the first half and through about half the third quarter. And then they just decided that they were going to foul the Pacers on every single possession. Okay? Mm -hmm. And... Like, it was just an unbelievable lack of awareness that they couldn't, like, you have to change the way you're defending. Like, I don't care if you disagree with what the refs are calling, which, first of all, the refs weren't calling anything that weren't, wasn't, that weren't fouls in that game. Mm-hmm. And, but you have to adjust to what they do, to what they do call. And that's just something that this team hasn't done all season, especially post-All-Star. I'd be willing to bet that they are leading the league or high up there in terms of just pure fouls per game. Like they're Yeah, well they had a they had a stretch of two games where they gave up like nearly one hundred free throws across a two game stretch. 
Yeah. Well, in the, I think in a back-to-back recently, they fouled 60 times over the two games, you know? Yeah. And, like, think about probably one of the highlights of this season, like that Paul George game against the Jazz. Like, Paul George had to hit that shot because, first of all, Russell Westbrook fouled out. Terrence Ferguson fouled out. Abdel Nader had to make big plays in that game because two key contributors did not have the discipline mm-hmm. to not foul out of the game. Like, it's it's unbelievable. And, like, just the fouls that they pick up, it's silly, stupid fouls in the first quarter. Yeah. Like, Terrence Ferguson, just every game, will pick up two fouls in the first quarter. And it's always, like, always trying to get over a screen. He just whacks the guy in the face. And then he's always like, what? I, I don't know what happened. Like, it's that every single game. Paul George does it. Paul George has fouled out of some games. Like, no player as good as Paul George should ever foul out of a game. Because, first of all, he does get preferential treatment from refs. Like, refs love Paul George because he gets away with a lot. But yeah. then he does, just does these, like, careless little things. It's like, oh, I haven't gotten a foul in a while. I better just grab this guy instead mm-hmm. of, like, move my feet. Like, it's pretty unbelievable. Like, Paul George is arguably the best defender in the NBA. And he's still a guy that will find himself – he'll get into a third quarter and he'll pick up his fifth foul. Like, that's yeah. – inexcusably stupid to do like you cannot Paul George is the best player on this team he's an MVP candidate although that candidacy is fading fast oh yeah that um, candidacy is over right like he'll <laughs> that ended basically as soon as the all-star break was over yeah he'll be on ballots and he you know he's still having a career year but like dude you like you cannot make the stupid decisions that Paul George makes like it's unbelievable how dumb like some of his fouls are you know, that's my biggest complaint with Paul George is just that. Like, come on, dude, you're better than that. You're the best defensive player in the league this year. Like, be smarter and don't put yourself in stupid positions. And real quick before I'm going to let you talk here in a bit, but I want to talk about Russell Westbrook. Okay. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook has had one of the weirdest basketball, the weirdest season of his career by far. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. And, there's been a lot of good things that he's done, you know, like we've talked, we talked about, I think on our last podcast, like he, def- he's defended better than he ever has. He's picking up, he's averaging a triple double, which seemingly kind of organically, like it's, ju- it's not like he's gunning for triple doubles or anything. He's, they're just happening. And mm-hmm. overall he's doing a lot of things really well, but my God, Russ, how in the world is this guy, putting himself in a position to get suspended because of technical foul accumulation. Like it's the dumbest thing. Like some of them sure, maybe a little bit weak, but like, and I understand like Russ doesn't get like the Draymond green treatment of, well, we can't tee him up for everything he says because we'd give him a tee every game or something. Like I get it, Mm -hmm. but Russ has to adjust to the way he gets called. Like, I don't know. Like the one that he got for his 16th technical was a, classic Russ technical where he didn't get the call he wanted. So he just fouls the crap out of the guy in the backcourt, another needless foul that put the team that I think they were in the bonus at the time. So that mm-hmm. he was putting clay Thompson on the line for free points. Um, and then he picks up the technical on top of it. So basically gifting the other team three points in that, in that regard. Yeah. So yeah, just unbelievable stupidity. That's just the fouling. I mean, there's absolutely more to it. Like, there's been countless situations where 
you know, it looks like, you know, the Thunder on a comeback trail. And then Dennis Schroeder will drive and just turn it over. Mm-hmm. You know, like last play of the first half against the Heat today. For I mean, Paul George had gone on a pretty good run. They were within three points. And on the last play of the half, Paul George defers to Dennis Schroeder for some reason. Dennis Schroeder drives, just turns it over. And it's like where they could have tied the game or cut it to one before halftime. They just completely blew an opportunity right there. And that's happened so many times where it's just either that or they'll just take a stupid shot. Like it's just that like it just seems like the mental mistakes just never end. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I think this has all been very well said. Um, and I'm not really sure to where to begin in response. Um, I just like the mental mistakes, obviously this team is supposed to be one of the great defensive teams in the NBA. Um, and it's, they really have not been playing very good defense, uh, for about three or four months now. Um, and that's really frustrating. Um, because this is now, you know, we're getting into like the majority of the season now, it feels like their defense has actually just been sort of on and off. Um, and when that's your team identity, that's not good. Um, the fouls are, I mean, ridiculous. Uh, Terrence in particular, like you said, he just, he picks up two fouls basically every first quarter. And part of that is him being a young player. Like I know, like it's his second season, but frankly, given like, it's, it's almost like he's a rookie. Uh, given the way he fouls, like he plays, like he plays more like a promising rookie this year, which like there's a degree to which that makes sense given like his age. Um, but it's just so frustrating. Um, I think um, Russ's season has just been weird in a way that is hard to quantify. Um, the way his shooting has picked up now that the team is losing is frustrating. <laughs> um, and yeah, God, there's just so there's so much to talk about. Um, since you ended with Dennis, I'm going to sort of start with Dennis. Um, he, um, I think, coming into the season, like there was a legitimate argu- argument to be made as like, "Hey, is Dennis Schroeder the third best player on this team?" And the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is extremely no. I actually think that at this point in the season, Jeremy Grant might be the third best player on this team. Um, I don't think there's any question. I have a, I have some Stephen Adams takes coming up too. So, um, okay, that's good because I, I, um, think, I think that most people would have said that he was that Stephen Adams was the third best player on this team. Yeah, and for a portion of this season, that was absolutely correct. But yeah, I um, think this was talk about him. More. Yeah, well, let's let's get into it because this is something I want to talk about with Steve. Is I, you know. I think there was a lot of heat that this was going to be like a breakthrough season for Steve, especially at the start. He showed some stuff offensively that we haven't seen from him before. He took a jump shot. I saw it. It happened. Um, He demonstrated some post skills. He was facing guys up. It was awesome. Here is the thing with Steven Adams. And it's, um, I don't know. I don't think that maybe you can lead the league in box outs for a season and not, by the end of it, be basically unable to play the sport of basketball. Like, I just... His game has regressed so far from where it was. And I, like, I just think maybe his style of play wears him down. It's not sustainable. Which I think is a grander theme in the Thunder, generally. 
Um, but I think it's especially apparent with Steven. I don't think his style of play is sustainable for an entire season, which is a problem because right. he needs to play that way to be effective. Well, okay. So, I mean, there's a couple things that you can do to kind of alleviate that. First of all, I mean, I don't think Steve, like Steven Adams was playing unbelievably well in the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think he was a bit overused. Like that dude was playing, you know, 34, 36 minutes a yeah. night. Yeah, and when you have a guy backing him up like Nerlens Noel, mm-hmm. you that you can't have your starting center wearing down. You know what yeah, I mean? Because exactly. Nerlens Noel would be starting for a lot of NBA teams, and Nerlens Noel has a lot of issues with his game, and they've shown themselves, you know, lately. But mm-hmm. he can he can play twenty twenty five minutes a game if he needs to. Like. There's yeah. been a couple of games where Adams has missed and Nerlens Noel has been really, really, really good. Um, and there's been several games in the last couple of months where Nerlens Noel has just flat out been better than Steven Adams, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that that's one way to kind of alleviate the way, you know, you're talking about Steven Adams getting worn down. Um, I wonder, I, my, here's my thing with Steven Adams is mm-hmm. he's not a good, shot blocker yeah and his value defensively comes almost entirely from a like he's a great communicator he kind of organizes people um he generally knows where to be and kind of walls things off pretty well um Mm -hmm. and he's also pretty mobile for a guy his size like there's not a lot of guys his size that can move the way he does and so he can kind of get out and hedge especially on pick and rolls a lot more than your average big man and so you know I don't know if maybe they are asking him to do too much defensively where because I mean that dude is crazy aggressive on pick and roll coverages and he's coming up really high and he's very aggressive where I mean, maybe he's not hasn't shown to be a great rim protector because he hasn't had a ton of that's just not the way they play defense. You know, yeah. like they like they don't ever really drop him in coverage and have people come downhill towards him. They don't try to funnel players towards him and have him clean it up. Maybe it's because he's not capable. Maybe it's because that's just not the way they want to defend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that could be another another thing that wears him down. Um, absolutely he yeah because he's his i mean his whole style of play is up and down not just from end to end but within half court sets on both sides he is moving constantly from the baseline to the top of the key right well and offensively you could like his his game might be even more taxing on that side of the court because he's an incredibly good screen setter like he sets Mm -hmm. great screens and so, therefore, that is pretty much what he's asked to do. You know, yeah. it's, hey, Steve, go set a screen off ball for Paul George to come around and get a pin down or run a pick and roll with the rest. Like, there's a lot of screening involved with the way Steven Adams plays. And you kind of wonder if, like, that in itself takes it out of him. Um, and then, obviously, like, I mean, it could be as simple as he's just suffered some injuries that we just don't know about. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, obviously he takes some some minor nicks and stuff, but maybe he's nursing a more significant injury than we even know about. And it's not necessarily that he's just worn down. It's just that, hey, he's got an injury that he's that we just don't know about. You know what I mean? Which I think, you know, that could very well be true. But if that's the case, 
he shouldn't play 30 minutes a game, <laughs> you know? Right. You, you Nerlens Noel, who, like like you said, there is plenty of room to criticize Nerlens Noel, like, to the point where, like, <laughs> I don't think it's impossible that the Thunder keep him. Right. Like, he'll probably get picked up by somebody, but, like, yeah, yeah, he has so, not, yeah. he does not consistently looked like a starting center playing backup this year. Right. Um, um, but, I mean, like, if it could have helped Steven Adams, let's say the week before the All-Star break, if it could have helped to just not play him for that week, and then he basically mm-hmm. would get a couple weeks off to where he's more ready to go now, the Thunder definitely should have done that. Like, yeah. Because whatever is happening now isn't working. You know, Mm -hmm. like he doesn't look like the Steven Adams that we know and love. He's had some moments where he's looked better, but just overall, he doesn't look like the player he did early in the season for sure. And, you know, that's that's a huge problem, you know. Mm -hmm. And like I think part of that, too, you know, we talked about, you know, early in the season, he was doing some things that we hadn't seen him do before. And he was also doing things that other teams hadn't seen him do before. And then they saw it and then they adjusted, you know what I mean? So there's that, that could be that simple because I mean, you remember Hamadou Diallo, how good he looked early in the season. And then, yeah, now he kind of can't, can't play basketball. Yeah. Teams kind of figured out, Oh, okay. We know how to handle this guy now. And like the thunder just, they don't think he's a playable player now. So yeah, um, we get to watch Abdel Nader play yeah. basketball which is which is great yeah um, which god this is the other thing is I like i look at the thunder bench and i look at guys like abdul nader and deontay burton and so here is my complaint about the thunder bench and it's kind of a complaint about billy which is that like these dudes do not get easy buckets ever like <laughs> abdul nader never like gets to make a quick backdoor flush like if these guys score it's like in like say like total second unit mode if these guys ever score it is because they had to work extremely hard and that's just like that is so bad it's and it's why like today a bad miami second i say bad miami second unit miami's roster is a second unit yeah a second unit um but like Miami's bench outscored our bench like thirty something to two in the first half to two. Right. Um, yeah, I I mean I think there's I mean first of all like I mean Dennis Schroeder is a good backup point guard like yeah, yeah. I I don't really think there's any way to argue against that fact. Mm-hmm. But Dennis Schroeder is not a good distributor. Okay, mm-hmm. like that guy. When he gets the ball, like, you know, he'll make some decent passes every now and then. But overall, like, Dennis Schroeder is trying to get his buckets. You know what I mean? And if he finds a guy on the way, then cool, he did. But, like, overall, he's not a distributing point guard. He's not a guy that's going to make things on the players around him easy and manufacture buckets for other guys. Like, have we – like – he, him and Nerlens Noel have the worst lob chemistry I think I've ever seen. Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable how like, you've got this ridiculous is an good athletic athlete. dude. Yeah. yeah. A guy who can jump out of the gym. You've got a guy who can get by anybody. Like, Schroeder, say what you want about it. Like, that guy can get around anybody. Okay. Yeah. He can't finish all the time. 
and he gets swatted because he's really small quite a bit, but he's going to get around anybody. And the fact that they haven't been able to turn that into a reliable lob game is kind of baffling, honestly. Yeah, it's just because and this is the sort of thing that you discover late in the season when teams have the scouting report on this and they know, oh, okay. So drop the, you know, drop the big and then have them step up and cut off the shooter drive and they're done. And that's like, that's just, that's what teams do now. And so shooter turns it over, gets swatted. Yeah. Well, and the fact that, I mean, you're not, you're not surrounding that, those guys with really reliable shooters. Yeah. Paul George is out there. Some Abdul Mm -hmm. Nader is nothing about Abdul Nader is reliable. Like he's looked okay at times, but there's, yeah. I mean, reliable he's looked okay at pretty that, much yeah. every basketball skill at times and has also looked unplayable at other times. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's not he's not good at anything. He just has, like, a bunch of skills at an average to below average level, which is more than you can say yeah. for pretty much any other wing on the Thunder. Um, so that's why he plays. Um, honestly, there's been times where I've, I've kind of felt like Raymond Felton was the play. Like... You know, God, I, I mean, I don't time they play Ray, but I get it. Like, think about it, though. Like, Raymond Felton is a bad point guard. Like, he really is a bad point guard because, mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what happens, just for whatever reason, it's going to end with him taking a mid-range shot. And that's just the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. But if you play Ray off the ball, when he doesn't ever really touch it, except for maybe to take a shot at the end, then. I think that there's maybe a little more value to that than, you know, a guy like Abdul Nader, who, if you get him the ball, like, if he dribbles, he's probably going to commit a charge. And if he, like, he might make the shot, he's an inconsistent shooter. And then on the other end, he might just play some of the worst defense you can think of. Like, it's, he's just, you just literally never know what you're going to get. Other times, he's forcing turnovers against Donovan Mitchell. And you're like, holy shit, yeah. Abdul Nader, Which, hey. Let, hang on, though. Let's talk about that turnover. Let's talk about the fact that the Thunder won that game because Donovan Mitchell was so excited to get that switch they dribbled out of bounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. Like, people, I think, definitely gave him a little more credit than he deserved. But it was also, like, right after he had hit a big shot, so people were just, like, feeling Abdul Nader, me included. Oh, yeah. Like, I was really oh, excited. Yeah. So I was like, hey, Abdul's saving this. But, yeah, no, absolutely. And... That's another thing. I could I could probably talk about Donovan Mitchell for ten minutes because I am not a fan of Donovan. Sorry. I think I actually think he's a really cool person and he's I, like I do great, too. Seems like I, a it's, great guy. My but opinion he, of him is exactly what it was at the end of the playoff series, which is like this is a cool guy. The Jazz are gonna struggle with the fact that he's Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he's like worse Russell Westbrook too. Like, yeah. He's just he's like Westbrook. he's an inefficient volume shooter. Yeah, and he's not any – like, he's an okay creator for others. Like, Russ has developed himself into an elite creator for teammates. Yeah. And I don't know if Donovan Mitchell has that in him. Yeah. So, I mean, that's our our Donovan Mitchell take because why not? Um, (laughs) But back to the Thunder, um, what would you say would – I mean, obviously, we can run through the highlights, like – the good things about this basketball team, obviously the way Paul George played pre all-star break and even some post all-star break, he's been amazing. Like this is 
by far the best version of Paul George. Like, that's an awesome thing. Yeah. The fact we talked about Jeremy Grant has developed into what we might consider the third best player on the team now. Yeah. Like, he had 20 and 10 tonight. Like, he w- was great. He was the one guy that was really good tonight. Um, yeah. You know, um, those two things. The game against the Bucks was fun. And yeah. that's, a, to me, that's about it. Um, I think there is something to be like one of these young wings is going to pan out probably, I guess. Like, I, I, I like what I've seen from Terrence Ferguson this year. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's the other thing is Terrence. Like, I think Terrence is a starting two for another like decade in the NBA, which is great. Like that's a tremendous success. Yeah. We've, we've complained about his fouling. Most young players learn how to play without fouling. Like the fact that he has at times been an extremely good shooter and he's at least a willing shooter now still, even though they're not going in as much, like just the fact that he's willing to shoot and teams are starting to defend him a little differently than we've really ever had a two guard be defended. That's nice. And you know, he has defensive potential. He can guard ones and ones one through three, probably. Um, yeah, obviously there's some threes that are going to bully him, but like, well, yeah, but he's also like, there is still room for him to add mass to his frame. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, those are, those are positives, but I, you know, overall, if you look at Steven Adams, I, I'm starting to wonder, you know, cause I've always really thought of Steve as like the perfect point guard or the perfect center to play with Russ. And I still think he's a good fit, but you kind of wonder like the fact that Russ isn't a good shooter mm-hmm. and you get zero spacing from your center. Mm-hmm. That in itself is limiting to your offense. Yeah. You know, I agree because Russ needs to be getting to the rim in order to be at his best. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be a center there waiting on Russ. If Steven Adams is in the game, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's a problem. Like, that's a pretty big problem. And that's even if you space the floor well around them, which, I mean, Ferguson's an iffy shooter. I think teams are, you know, Grant's been a good shooter this year, but I'm still, like, teams still aren't defending him like an elite shooter or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, they're still helping off of him plenty. Um, So I I think that there's, overall, it's, I, I think space is still probably the biggest problem about this Thunder offense. And I really don't know that it will ever get better. You know, like I, I think they might be capped in that regard. Yeah. You can't, I mean, Paul George, the gravity he is creating offensively is never going to be higher than it has been this year. It's just, yeah, exactly. Well, Um, and the thunder, like the thunder were winning when they were shooting well. And there's a, it's, there's a a frustrating aspect of this year is that, all of the various parts of this team haven't shot well at the same time yet, which I think contributes a little bit to why they can't blow out teams. Um, but is certainly the case in terms of like Russ was shooting terribly when everybody else was shooting great. And now Russ is shooting great and everybody else has fallen off, especially Paul George and Terrence. Um, like I, I think that if Russ, like I think if you have PG shooting like 40%, um, 
and then like Jeremy and Terrence shooting like in the mid thirties and then Russ shooting in like the low thirties, that's probably enough shooting for it to be a viable offense. Um, but yeah. there's still just like, oh, like it's hard to say because that hasn't happened yet. Right. Um, well, I think. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say one aspect of the Stephen Russ thing that I think is interesting and it relates to Stephen wearing down is that like Steve sets hard, good screens. He's a great screener, which is good because I imagine it is kind of difficult at times to screen Russell Westbrook's defender uh, because they're going under every time. Like it is hard to set a good screen at an effective screen at somebody who's totally willing to drop like um, when, and that's like, that's frustrating. It's probably taking a physical toll. Um, well, and I think, I think we've seen a little bit less, uh, Russ Steve pick and roll this year because of it too. Mm-hmm. Like he's set a lot of off ball screens for, you know, even yeah. Jeremy and especially Paul George. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think that it, it's very frustrating. I like you're talking about Russ, you know, he was awful. He was horrendous shooting the basketball all season. Yeah. Um, and now he's making shots and everybody else is shooting worse. And I don't want to be, I, I really hate the whole idea of the fact that, well, Russ is shooting better now, but it's at the cost. He like, he's not getting his teammates looks. Yeah. The idea I that think, like, he's letting guys go cold. I don't think that's right. I don't, I don't think, think that's, that's it. happening. I really don't because there's been times where Russ has started games, like trying to set guys up and then mm-hmm. he's just like, Oh, they don't have it. I've got to go do this now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the, I think of that Nets game quite a bit. Like, Mm-hmm. Russ started that game. He was trying to get dudes involved, and then they got down by like 15. And Russ was like, "Well, we can't lose this game, so I'm gonna go score." You know? Yeah. And like, there's been a lot of that lately. Like, the dude, dudes just can't hit shots. Paul George has been off. Like, he had a good shooting night tonight. Um, but overall, like that shoulder injuries really played a, a yeah. role on that. Like, I've, you know, granted, I will say that I can't. I have I've been like low key worried that a regression was coming for Paul George all season, you know, like I was mm-hmm. even when like even after that Utah game, like he had 45 and I was just like, when are we going to see the Paul George that we've always seen? Yeah, because Indianapolis just, fans will tell you. Yeah, like I, I there's several like a couple things I knew about Paul George before he got to the Thunder were like he's a great two way player and at times he looks like the best player in the league, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but most of the time he's like, this guy's going to give you like 22 points, play elite defense and like kind of leave you feeling like, Oh, I wish he could do a little bit more, you know? But like this year it was just, he was that guy. Like he was the MVP guy. Like he was hitting big shot after big shot. And now I was low key worried like, Hey, are these shots going to dry up? You know, is this yeah. is this the Paul George that we have now? Has he found something with Russell Westbrook to where he's just like completely comfortable playing basketball now? And he's just like in a different place in his career, like he's in his prime now. So maybe this is the Paul George we get. Um, but that hasn't really been the case. Like it's been more of this is just typical Paul George, which is still like the dude's still a max player. Like there's no doubt about it. Like an elite defensive player that's giving you over 20 a night is still a guy you're paying max money to. It's just not an MVP candidate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
which is it's just frustrating which is just this team like and this is my biggest criticism of this team apart from the fact that they're going to end up in like the eighth seed is uh they're just not i don't enjoy watching them play and that sucks and it's because i have no faith in them i have no faith in them they have they don't blow teams out I am constantly, like, when I watch this team, I'm just, I'm sitting there waiting for the next stupid-ass thing that they're going to do. Like, yeah. it's just, like, I'm I'm worried, like, like Steven Adams is going to, like, they're going to be on a run, and then Steven Adams is going to set, a, like, an illegal screen, and then the other team yeah. is going to spark a run for the other team. Like, it's just constantly in fear of the fact, like, they're about to screw this up. Mm-hmm. And it sucks to watch. Now, like there have been times this year, absolutely, they've been fun. They had that like two month period where they were like one of the best offensive teams in the league, and that was awesome. That yeah. was great to watch. Um, but even then, like it was still. I remember tweeting like, "We're gonna, we're gonna screw this up. We're gonna." I re- like, I remember vividly like that Lakers game that they lost at home when the mm-hmm. Lakers didn't have LeBron, and I was like. That was some of the dumbest basketball I've seen from a, a good basketball team. You know, yeah. it was like we should we should be up ten right now, but like just stupid mental mistakes. We're fouling too much. Oh, we took th- three bad shots in a row, or we turned it over five times in like ten possessions. You know, it's mm. just there's always it just always seems like the next like really fucking stupid thing is about to come. Yeah, and. And like, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, to me, one of the most frustrating things about this is that I don't think that this is a stupid team. Like, um, the way they defend when they are defending well is just like the amount of communication requires, the amount of dedication it requires, the effort involved. It's like those all of those things are like max level and they can do it. Um, yeah, and so like, why why do they then do why do they then make so many other careless mistakes? Is it fatigue from having to work that hard to play that style of defense? Like, there's a part of me that suspects that it is. Like, I I texted you before we started that I wondered if maybe you just can't play defense like that for any two games. That it yeah. wears you out on too many levels. Um, because what like when the Thunder are playing good defense, it's like. Oh, the other team just can't score. Like right. the, it's not well, possible it's, to play basketball against this defense. And, and at times the other team can't even shoot the ball. Like yeah. it's just every pass they make is deflected, you know? Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable to watch. And that's kind of what we saw a lot of at the beginning of the season. Because offensively the Thunder weren't very good early in the year, but their defense was just so elite it just didn't matter. Um and, you know, you talked about how it's been inconsistent for the last about three months now, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of fallen. But there's still a top five defense because of how good they can be when they yeah. are good. Like, they are the best defense in the league when they're truly locked in. They have elite personnel. When their guys are locked in, they have elite personnel at every position. Like, yeah. they just absolutely yeah. do. But then, like, all it takes is one collapse in terms of mm-hmm. like some one person makes a mistake and then it's just gone like for ex- an extended period of time the ability to play any defense is gone yep um, well and i mean 
I think there's definitely situations where, like, I mean, that Pacers game was a situation where they got a big lead and they got lazy, I thought. Like, that's why they just started, they just started fouling every possession. And that let the Pacers back into it. And then in the fourth quarter, their offense just stopped scoring. Like, they just stopped scoring the ball and they just didn't have enough to close it out because of Mm -hmm. that. You know, and it's just the fact like, oh, we're up 19 in the third. Awesome. That's the other team's just going to give up now and like let us win. You know, I think there's yeah. a bit of that in, involved. And it's really frustrating because I like at times this season, this has been the most fun I've ever had watching the Thunder play. Like you talked about that Bucks game, like that game was incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. That Utah Jazz game, like it. There's been some unbelievably fun basketball. That game that Russ and Paul George both had a triple double. Yeah. Like that was awesome. That was so freaking cool. Yeah. And I loved watching it, man. Um but, but like it's it really seems like things are just headed in the opposite direction of where we were. You know? Yeah, it's like it's the contradiction of like those amazing games and like if the Thunder are capable of doing that, why am I like nervous to turn my television on? Like every yeah. night, like right. what is happening there? Um, no. And I like it really is just the Thunder can't blow people out. They can't do it. And yeah. be, because the way a blowout happens, right, is that teams will go on like there will be runs in the game where it's like one team where like the better team comes out like plus three. And then they go on like a, maybe like a 10 point run. And then. Like then the next like the other team is able to get a few points back, but then like over the next stretch of play, like it's still positive net in favor of the better team, and that just builds up over the course of the game. That's how a blowout happens, right? right. Uh, and with the Thunder, that just it's because to me, like the Thunder don't ever have those periods where like oh they're playing a team that's worse than them. And so just in the normal course of play, they have like a positive net rating. Like mm-hmm. it is either the thunder are going on punishing runs or the thunder are having a punishing run dealt to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think a lot of it, it comes down like defensively at times, it looks like the other team is just not the other team can't even dribble. Like it's yeah. like, Oh my God, there are arms everywhere. And the other team is not going to score or it's like, oh, they're giving up open threes in the corner every possession. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. And this is this is to me why, like, I have to ask the question, like, is this style of defense like is this a style of defense you can play and win a championship? Because it seems like you can't play it for 82 games. Yeah. And like and you and you don't need to play perfect defense for 82 games to win a championship. Um, no. But is this a, is this a style of defense that you can play four games out of seven four times in a row? Right. Well, and here, here's what I'll say about you talking about championship defense. And I mean, obviously, the Thunder are not good enough to win a championship this year. I mean, there's only one team that is. Um, and I, you know, moving forward, like during the most positive times this season, um, I've thought about. You know, if Durant were to leave the Warriors and go to the Knicks, like, why not the Thunder? You know, like, why not mm-hmm. us winning it next year? You know, because you would think that, you know, the Lakers still aren't going to have, they're not going to have, like, four stars or whatever 
yeah. to go with LeBron, you would think that the Warriors are going to have like an adjustment period. And I'm not super convinced that the Warriors are good enough to beat some of the teams in the league now without Durant in the playoffs. Like well, I think like... it, it looks great in the regular season, but I think in the playoffs you can do a lot of things to neutralize what they do. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, so my thought process was why not the Thunder? But I I just don't think of it at this point. I don't think this team has that kind of ceiling in really any situation. Like, I don't think that the league could get weak enough for this Thunder to be a team to be able to win a championship. With yeah. the, And I think it's a lot of it is personnel based. Like, I mean, you're talking about schemes, but I mean, let's look at it realistically. We love Russell Westbrook, but in a league where shooting is arguably the most important skill that you can have. Okay. He can't shoot. And he's a point guard that can't shoot off the dribble. He's a point guard that can't shoot well enough to like be able to run an extremely effective pick and roll consistently. Mm -hmm. Like that's a big problem. And then your other guy is Paul George, which we've seen the best version of Paul George this year. Are we ever going to see that? Are we going to see that again next year? Like, is he going to be able to duplicate what he's done? And if he's just the Paul George that we got before this season, then there's no way in the world this Thunder team can win a championship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like moving beyond the stars, here's one of the things about the bench that is so frustrating to me. Um, You know, we've talked about the bench a lot because they suck this game, but (sighs) think about all the dead weight this team shed, shedded this year. Think about there's like five or six guys who are out of the NBA now that they're not on the thunder. And the bench yeah. is still not good. Right. Like, and maybe it's because like Abdul Nader and Deontay Burton and Hamadou Diallo are the next generation of those guys. But still, like, what is yeah. Like, I don't think that's going to be true for all three of them. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, in a best case scenario, I think, I mean, I'm still reasonably high on the potential of Hamadou Diallo. Like, I think that guy has a lot of basketball skill like i you know coming into the league i thought this guy's just an athlete hopefully he can learn how to play basketball a little bit i'm higher on his basketball skill than i really was terrence ferguson at the same yeah, age but he so, still can't I mean, shoot at i mean all. he still can't shoot right right um so that's gonna be a hurdle for him to clear um i mean we've mm-hmm. seen stretches of really good basketball from deontay burton you know yeah. like that guy could potentially be a really nice role-playing backup wing or even four moving ahead um and i I, i'm reasonably high on that and like the thunder are going to have the potential to just maybe sign another free agent like on the mid-level this summer to really bolster that but Mm -hmm. to me it always comes down to the i like in the playoffs your stars have to be better than the other team's stars like they just have to be and Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly optimistic that a core of Russell Westbrook and Paul George can outplay any number of core. Like, can we, like, let's go through, like, obviously the Warriors court. Let's say Durant's off the Warriors. Do we think that Russell Westbrook and Paul George can outplay um, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson? No, I don't. not really. I don't not think really. they can. No. Like, can Russell Westbrook and Paul George outplay James Harden and Chris Paul? 
I don't. Not think really. They can. No. You know, like go to the East. Like, can Russ and Paul George outplay Giannis? And who cares who else? I don't think they can. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. No, this is like, but this team should be able to get to like. This team should at least be contending to be making the WCF. Like, right. This team should be better than the the freaking Nuggets. Like, I like <laughs> I like some of the Nuggets players, and I mean, I think Jokic is a great basketball player. I do. Like, yeah. But the Thunder should be better than the Nuggets. Like, they just yeah. The Thunder be. should be better than the Nuggets. The Thunder should be better than the Blazers. The Thunder should be better than the Jazz. The Thunder should yeah. be better than like they're be- they should be better than the Spurs, who are now going to be above them. I think. Right. Like. It's all kind of clumped together in that yeah. they have 29 losses, and I think the Spurs also have 20. I think the Thunder have one more win, though. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. But, like, yeah. no, the Thunder... Why aren't the Thunder the third best team in the West? Why is that not reflected in the standings? And, like, right. I get that it's, like, it's well, been a weird season for them, and it's been a weird season for the Rockets, and the Nuggets have outplayed expectations. But... Yeah. Let's look at, like, just think about what the Rockets have gone through this season, man. Like, yeah. the Rockets, their big man, their version of Steven Adams, could, like, the Thunder would be, they wouldn't know what to do without Steven Adams playing. I get, like, yeah. obviously they wouldn't because they wouldn't sit him and rest him at any point this year. So they just wouldn't know what to do without him. The Rockets didn't have Capella for a significant amount of time. They didn't have their starting point guard for a significant yeah. amount of time. They are playing a lot of Kenneth for Reed. Yeah, Kenneth Fareed plays big minutes for them. Austin Rivers is a big time contributor for them, and like think of like it doesn't matter because James Harden has been able to raise them to the level that they are now. Like James Harden has been just significantly better than anybody on the Thunder, and that's yeah. really that's what the NBA is about. Your stars have to raise your team's level to another level. Like they have to be able to take them to the level that they want to be at. Like, that just has to happen. If you want to be a championship team, your star has to take you there. Like, it yeah. can't be, it's, it can't be, oh, PJ Tucker's having a career year, you know, and he's really, it, it's, that's not what yeah. it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, the, all that stuff is ancillary. Like, you have to have guys that can execute a defensive system. Like, absolutely. You can't have a star surrounded by four just defensive, like, guys that can't defend like absolutely but if you've got guys around you that can defend your stars have to take you to that level like it just has to happen and that's not happening with the thunder i don't know if it can happen like russ i love russ man and he's gonna go down as one of my favorite thunder players ever obviously but like i don't i don't know if he can be much more than what we've seen. I don't think he can take the team to a level beyond what they've been. Like we saw him a couple of years ago when he was unbelievable and they, he got him to sixth in the West last year. He got what we thought was a lot of help. They got to fourth in the West. And then this year, yeah. Paul George having a career year, Jeremy Grant's developed into the player we thought he could be. You're getting decent, if not if inconsistent, play from Terrence Ferguson. You're getting good play from him overall, and mm-hmm. we might be the freaking eight seed, man. Like that's unreal. Like, yeah. if that doesn't tell you that, like, it's about your star players, like, then I don't know what will, man. Like mm-hmm. that is what it is, you know. Yeah, it's just I don't. 
it's just so frustrating. I am. Um, yeah. And there's just so many things where I just want to know, like, would this have changed it? Would this, like, would this have made it different? You know? Right. And we just can't. And we're just stuck with this team that feels like it's underachieving every night, even when it wins. Yeah. And, and it kind of, you know, I mean, it's not all like, I mean, the world's not ending. Like, there is a situation where, you know, next year, like, this is really, this is kind of year one for this group of guys. Like, I know yeah. they had Paul George last year, but they also had the mellow situation and, like, they had a lot of dead weight on that roster. Mm-hmm. And they kind of did a, they did a decent roster overhaul this past year. No, I, I mean, I think they did a really good roster overhaul. We talked about how much dead weight they cut. They, yeah. you know, they put together a team that, like, by net rating is still really good, and it right. just hasn't mattered. Yeah, well, they put, like, all the moves that they've done on the margins over the last few years, or over the last year or so, has been really, really good. Like, mm-hmm. drafting Terrence Ferguson was a really good draft pick. Signing Nerlens Noel for a minimum was a really good signing. Like, that was great. Yeah. Trading Mello and getting Dennis Schroeder worked out. Like, Schroeder's mm-hmm. having a good season for a backup point guard. Um, the trade that they made a couple years ago for Jeremy Grant is really turning into a trade that you, you're you really oh, yeah. liking, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, which, like, there is there is still a degree to which you can, like, you can look at how frustrated and miserable we are and then just, like, remember that this team traded Serge Ibaka for Paul George and Jeremy Grant. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, yeah, because the team would have been complete garbage. Would probably be in the lottery. We'd be in the lottery right now. I have little yeah. doubt um, if they hadn't have made that trade. And so that's cool. Um, but I just, I don't know what this team is going to accomplish over the next few years. And the thing is, like, this is year one of Russ's extension, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got at least four more years of Russell Westbrook. Cause I don't think. I don't think the Thunder could trade Russ right now if they wanted no. to. No. I don't think that there's a team in the league that would take that contract. Um, well, like obviously the Wizards would trade us John Wall, like no shit. But like, yeah, I don't think we. Well, the Pelicans get... trade us Anthony Davis. Yeah, that's probably one that could happen. Like, that's possible because they're they want they're going to want to stay relevant, and they might see Russ as that kind of yeah. ticket but i mean the thunder and the thunder aren't going to trade no Westbrook. yeah that's the other thing happen. is that no they wouldn't like he they would is, never he is the face of the franchise and they love like oklahoma city loves him and he's awesome he's great but mm-hmm. i mean i think that i mean this might be it like this might have been the epitome of what we're going to see for the next four years because i mean russ I hope he can stay the same, I guess. Like, maybe he can shoot better. Um, but that yeah. dude is going to decline. Like, it's going to happen. And I think we've seen some flashes of that happening this year. Um, yeah. Paul George isn't going to be able to play any better than he's been able to play this year. Like, I cannot believe that he could raise his game to another level to what it was this year. Like, he has been yeah. that good. And to even expect him to raise his game would not be fair to him. Mm-hmm. You know, like he has played at a Kevin Durant level this season. Yeah. You know, and that's not something I ever thought would in a million years would be able to happen. Yeah. You know, he's probably going to win defensive player of the year. Like yeah. he's been that good, but 
you know, it's also concerning because like he's been that good and this team is still where it is, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they're gonna, maybe Sam Presti will see all this and be like, and turn Steven Adams into something. I don't know. Maybe he'll turn Steven Adams into Bradley Beal. We can all talk about that. I don't know. Like, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, I, I don't know. There's, a few things. The first is like I will say I will say this about Russ. Um like the way his game has gotten worse this season like doesn't feel like decline, right? Cuz right. shooting isn't the thing that goes generally. And he's yeah. had like a great year at the rim. Um yeah. Um like there definitely will be decline. But I, I, I think my biggest thing with Russ, though, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, go ahead. My biggest concern with Russ, it's the free throw shooting, and not the fact yeah. that he's yeah. been a shitty free throw shooter, which he has absolutely. But it's the fact that it has changed the way he's played. Mm-hmm. Like that guy at times, like a couple years ago, like when he was doing everything, if another team went on a run, Russ would find a way to get to the free throw line and get a couple points to end a run, you know, mm-hmm. like that was the way Russ kind of impacted games um, getting to the rim. Like, cause he's never been a great finisher, but he's been good at drawing contact And this year. He hasn't really tried to draw contact as much. Like he's been like, you can absolutely see that the fact that he isn't sure he's going to make the free throws has yeah. impacted the way he's attacked the basket. Like yeah. sure. He's, um, his numbers look good, but I think um, he had a really, really hot start to the season. I think it's still kind of inflating his numbers. Yeah. Well, I um, think there's, but there's also a degree to which, like, to me, I look at Russ in the future and, like, him being hesitant of attacking the rim. That's, yeah, that's what his decline is going to look like, right? It's him losing the ability to explode to the rim whenever he feels like it. Yeah. Um, well, and when that happens, he's just, he's going to become a guy who posts up. 15 times a game and we've seen what that looks like this year and it ain't yeah. good yeah you know like it's 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 an odd thing because it's like on the one hand i think that there is a way in which his aging can be graceful but at the same time it's not going to be in a way that like makes him still be a winning basketball player like right. i think the way he is developed as a distributor um is like the, like to be that's like uh this is this is a way for him to age gracefully in this manner but like if he can't shoot it still won't matter right yeah it, the only way he's ever going to be able to maintain the winning basketball aspect is he's going to have to be able to shoot threes like yeah. he is and i'm not talking like low third he's going to have to become like a 38% three point shooter yeah. Yeah. i don't think that will happen yeah, he's got he's got to become good enough to get guys over screens is just like yeah. the reality of it. Whatever that number is, that is the point at which it is possible to run an offense when you're not able to explode to the rim. Exactly. Um, yeah. And if he can't do that, then he can't do that and it won't contribute to winning basketball. Right. Um, yeah. But like the other thing is like, I don't know, are we coming to like the realization and we can like... <laughs> After a city that has been interested in contending for seven years now, um, like, are we just coming to the realization that we're the trailblazers? Like, 
and that we yeah. can play good like playoff level basketball and lose mm-hmm. in the first or second round and that Done. can just and like we have to accept that as good enough and find joy where elsewhere yeah, um because there's a lot of happening. yeah because there are a lot of honestly there are a lot of places to find joy in this basketball team a they all are great dudes who love each other like yeah. this team has incredible chemistry it's got a lot of fun stars like russ and pg are buds steven adams is a fun personality everybody loves each other um and it's real that's really fun to watch happen um and but like i don't know it is so strange especially in the culture of the nba which in which like players legacies are invalidated if they don't have rings right this is the this is the thing that charles barkley gets thrown at him every night of his career as a broadcaster now um and like so it's weird to say that we should be satisfied with that but at the same time like you know this is a weird time in the nba the warriors dominance ruined the thunder right absolutely ruined their ceiling um and but yeah it's the same it's the situation where like the bulls in the 90s they ruined like the jazz you know like yeah the jazz weren't able to win a championship because of the bulls right and it not i mean the thunder only made the finals once and it wasn't even when the warriors were that kind of team but yeah yeah but i mean there's i mean there's so much bad luck in that history like you could say the thunder probably deserved to make the finals in 2013 like the thunder i think consensus is that the thunder were probably the best team in the nba in 2016 by the playoffs right well i mean the warriors would tell you that that was the team that they they thought they were going to lose that series they absolutely thought they were going to go into game six and lose they had no answer for how to beat this thunder team yeah and it just so happened clay thompson got him out of the situation you know what i mean like like that was it like they they legitimately came out of that season thinking the Thunder were a lot better than the Cavs, and they yeah. just they didn't make ridiculous shots against the Cavs that they made against the Thunder. You know, yeah. like that's really what it came down to. Yeah, um, and that sucks that it happened that way, and it just kind of it was like just the bad luck of the Thunder. Like it's that's it right there. You know, yeah. Clay Thompson hitting eleven threes in Game Six. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. That's yeah. bad luck. They defended the hell out of him, and he hit eleven threes. Yeah, nothing you can do about it, you know. So it sucks, man. Like, and I, I think the Blazers are. I think they're that. Like, I mean, I don't know how much better Russ and Paul George are as a duo than Dame and CJ. Like, I really don't. Yeah. Like, what's well, like? I would. I think. I think Dame's better than Russ at this point. Yeah. Now I think and Paul like, George is by far the best player of that group, but I think yeah. Dame is better than Russ. It's yeah. It's well. It's just like. You know, and this is like I have conversations living in Portland. I have conversations with my father about the Trailblazers and like what can they do to get better? And it's like, <laughs> who knows? Like, there's not an answer. Like, I like there are places for Portland to improve on the margins. I think that they can get wings. They can upgrade like their set of wings from guys like Layman and Aminu to like Mbamute types. But like, a there aren't very many of those players, and like half of them play for Boston. Um, and so it's just like, what do you do? And they, I, there's not a good answer. And I don't think that the Thunder have a really good answer either. Like, you can, like, in, like 
your options are like get lucky in the draft, um, have LeBron James or Kevin Durant decide to grace you with their presence, and even that doesn't work anymore, right. I guess. Um, or fleece a team. Like <laughs> those are your options. Either you get lucky, um, somebody else. Uh, or you're able to convince a free agent, like a superstar free agent, to come, and you pay a huge tax, and it still maybe doesn't work, or somebody else yeah. makes a mistake. Right. Um, well, I I think, and the Thunder, I I don't think the Thunder are going to be a team that's going to be able to fleece a team again. You know, because yeah. at a certain point, like teams start to understand that oh, we shouldn't make trades with that team. Yeah. You know? Well, but. Like and one aspect of the Thunder is that like the people talk about them fleecing the Pacers, but the team they fleeced was the Magic. Um, right. Um, the like the the Paul George trade that was a great mutually beneficial trade, and that's the reason that the Thunder aren't super aren't like super competitors because it was a it was a good trade. It wasn't a fleece. Yeah. Boston fleeced the Nets. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. And if you're looking about, like, if the Thunder are going to upgrade players, like, obviously you're not going to be able to upgrade Russ or Paul George. You're looking at upgrading the guys that we've been the most complimentary of, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know how you upgrade Jeremy Grant into, like, what is the next level of Jeremy Grant that's realistic? You know, yeah. like, it's not really a thing. No, it's like, like Pascal Siakam, upgrade... but there's only one yeah. Pascal Siakam. And okay. what do you trade for Pascal Siakam? Yeah, exactly. And like, what do you, you know, how do you upgrade Terrence Ferguson? You know, like if he develops and maybe it's just Terrence Ferguson develops into mini Clay Thompson. I don't know. Yeah, so that's maybe that. Yeah, that's, you know, this is the problem is that like when you talk about marginal upgrades, like it becomes a problem of availability yeah. very quickly. Because um, yep. like. You, you can talk about building around superstars. I think this team is built around its stars in a way that I think is pretty good. But the reality is that, like, you build a team around Russell Westbrook and the... It's... You get the role players you can. And even if you did do a good job selecting them, they're, you know, they're role players. There's only... There's Terrence Ferguson and there's Jeremy Grant and there's Stephen Adams and if there was a Stephen Adams who shot threes, you couldn't get him. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Adams that shoot th- that shoots threes is like borderline Carl Anthony Towns. Like it's yeah an unbelievably good player. You know. So yeah, that's not realistic. So it yeah it sucks. Like and honestly, I think what it comes down to is that. This is what a team built around Russell Westbrook looks like. Yeah. I think that's really because I I've said this since, you know, I said this before they got Paul George is that Paul George is the perfect player to put next to Russ if you still want Russ to be your like first option, you know? Like, yeah. Paul George is the perfect complement to Russell Westbrook. Kevin Durant was significantly better than Russell Westbrook, so it was like Durant was still the number one option, but Russ kind of worked off of that. And that's why yeah. that worked. But um, Paul George, if you want Russ to be your guy, Paul George is that guy, you know? Yeah. And then I think Jeremy Grant is 
kind of the version of the four that you would want to, like, especially if his shooting, like, from this season is real. And I've mm. said for years, like, Adams is a good center to put with Rust, you know? And we're getting a possible eight seed out of it, you know? Yeah. And I don't love saying that. Like, I really, I, yeah. I really hate it, actually, because I love Rust. But, like, I mean, how well, good I think basketball... How good it's, would this basketball team be if James Harden was on it? And I, I, I'm not even talking Harden trade, but if he were just to like trade Harden and Russ, if they were to trade places this season, where would the two teams? Yeah, be? it would be the best team in the NBA. Yeah, it at the very least they'd be second in the West. You know? Yeah, like they'd be up there. Yeah, because the role players are better than what they have in Houston. They just are. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's its frustrating because declaring that you cannot build a team around Russell Westbrook feels like, like a condemnation, like that he has failed as a player, right? And that cool. his critics are, that, and it be, well, my thing about it is that I, what I feel about this is that in a practical, like, I don't think it's impossible to build a championship team around Russell Westbrook in a theoretical sense, but in a practical right. sense, I think it is. Because the theoretical players you need just don't exist. And that's just, you know, that's bad luck, right? Right. Well, okay, theoretically, like, if you were to make Terrence Ferguson into Bradley Beal, and then if Steven Adams were a 40% three-point shooter, (laughs) then you might have a championship team, and Russ is still your number one option. But that isn't realistic. That's not a realistic thing. And that will... No team has ever been able to put that together, you know. Yeah. Or I guess you could say if if Clay Thompson was your two, like if T- Terrence Ferguson was Clay Thompson, like he'd be fine too, you know. But like, it's just not a. Well, yeah, that, and that's the thing is that if, well, but like imagine that Terrence Ferguson was like a young Clay Thompson in terms of like mm-hmm. he was playing like Clay did on his rookie contract. Right. And then imagine that Steven wasn't a 40% shooter, but he was like a 30%. Uh, imagine if he was as good at shooting three-point shots as Gorgie Dang is. Right. Like, I think that team is kind of a contender. Um, but they just aren't those players because those players don't exist. Right. Yeah, they don't. They don't, man. Well, and like we're talking about if Terrence Ferguson's Clay, like Clay Thompson's maybe the second best shooter of all time. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're talking about if Terrence Ferguson was a historically great shooter, and Stephen Adams was a unicorn, you know, like that's yeah. that's what you're looking at. So, yeah, it's it sucks, man. Like because, and and honestly, things would be so much simpler if Russ could shoot the ball off the dribble, like at a at a high clip. Yeah, things change. You, yeah. Then he's you're the the pressure isn't on everybody else to create as much space as Russ needs because Russ would be able to create his own space. Yeah. You know, and that's just not something he can do. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's the sort of thing where it's just, I mean, it is like the, it is like a frustration of historical reality that Russ didn't work on his three point shot because he didn't need to. And like his father and him worked on his shot from the elbow, mm-hmm. um, which I still don't and part of it is because they do much less high screening, like high screen pick and roll. But yeah. the fact that that shot has sort of gone away from the Thunder's playbook is frustrating to me. Um, yeah. Because it's like the one mid-range shot that he can consistently hit. Um, and, I mean, there are other things. Like, imagine if Russell Westbrook had a fully developed floater. 
Yeah, which that, he oh could. Yeah, he's. I yeah. mean, he's he's an incredible lob thrower. Like he's got the touch for it. He just it's he's never had to have one, so he never learned how to right. do it. Like he's just yeah. it's it's not in his tool bag because he didn't need it. Yeah, James Harden has an unbelievable floater, and so when he gets to the rim one on one with a big, you can't do anything. You yeah. know, it just comes down to whether or not he can make the floater or not. Russ does not have that shot. Like he's, yeah. I think he's taken like five floaters in his career. You know. Well, yeah, and, and they, people have asked him about it, and he like this is the like, answer he's given. It. I don't need it. Yeah, and, and he does. He absolutely does. Yeah. Well, for a lot of his career, he got by just fine without it. You know, he yeah. was a sco- he he has a scoring title to his name without a floater. Yeah. Um, Can we? I mean, I know we, we said we can't trade Russ, but can we just go ahead and trade him for Trey Young? Just He's got a flutter. Day. He's got a good flutter. God. That guy. No. But I, I want to talk about Trey Young, okay? Because we're, about, we're, we're, yeah. we like OU, and I'm getting sad about Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So um, um, let's I talk just, about Trey, because that dude, he's good. He will be the best passer in the NBA within two years, if he is not already. Yeah, and, well, <laughs> Okay. That is that is like wildly exaggeratory, but his ability to make like fourth level reads as a rookie point guard is astonishing. Well, just the fact that him and Luca were in the same draft class and they're both that kind of passer. Yeah, you know, because like in five years, it's either going to be him or Luca are the best passer in the league. You know, yeah, like it's going to be one of those guys, and they were in the same draft class, traded for each other, and that's another yeah. one where it looks like it worked out for both teams. Yeah. Well, so that that's actually a really interesting um, subplot of this NBA season right now is that like the Mavs are getting close to the to the fifth worst record. Yeah, they've been bad. And if they if they don't have to convey their if their pick doesn't convey this year, it becomes a massively worse deal for the Hawks. Yeah, because the Mavs are going to be good next year, probably. You know. Yeah, well, they're gonna have Luca and Kristaps and whoever they draft in the top five. Yeah. Oh God, I. That would be an incredible Zion location because <laughs> God, I would hate it so much. It would be so bad because Zion and Kristaps. I don't think there's a better duo. Like, I don't think there's a better pairing. Like, I think that's the perfect match for Zion and Kristaps. Like, yeah, that would be a match made in heaven, and that would be horrendous, and I would hate it. But it would also be a they would be incredibly good. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, with Trey, I want to like just talk about how he's just kind of turned it around because early in the season, you know, people were like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be a really good passer," you know, and like we we like his passing and everything, but. He's, but he was shooting like 20% from three. And it was kind of starting to feel like, oh, was that just a hot streak that he had at the beginning of the season at Oklahoma? You know, and it's just his shooting wasn't that real. But he's gotten his shooting all the way up. He's shooting over 33% from three, which for where he was for a, lo- a large portion of the season, like he's been kind of lights out lately. Yeah. Um, like if, if what we've seen the last basically two and a half months is real, like, Trey Young's pr- probably an all-star next year. Like, yes. I think that's well, it's, completely realistic. Yeah. It's just the Hawks, um, you know, it's, and people pointed this out, um, but people sort of ignored it so they could keep crapping on the Hawks for making the trade. 
But like the Hawks knew exactly what they were doing when when this season with Trey is yeah. yeah he has the greenest of lights because it doesn't matter if the shots go in. Right. It's actually better when they don't. Yeah. <laughs> For what they want. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like the Hawks are like the ultimate like that's where I want Zion to go. Obviously, it's going to be tough because they are actually too high in the standings right now. Yeah. Like they have the fourth worst record in the East. They have the fifth worst record overall. So it's not like completely impossible, but it's just not super likely at this point. Um, But that would be an incredible match. Him and Zion with John Collins. Like, that would be pretty sick. That's just so much. I meant like, imagine a world in which, like, um, you know, like Zion didn't show this right away and like Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett were like better. Uh, Right. Well, and that's uh, what, like, everybody thought RJ was going to be the number one pick coming into the season because people were just like, we like the potential of Zion, but we just don't know what he does in the NBA because he was just an athlete. Yeah. But no, actually, he's maybe the best college basketball player I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he shot over 80% in the ACC tournament. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. He's unbelievable. Like, he is the most active player. Like, it just his ability to get up and down the court and just mm-hmm. affect everything. Yeah, and he just... I've never seen anything like it. God. This this is the thing where I am so mad that he there's zero chance that he will ever play for the Thunder. I mean, right. I don't... Like, ever. Um, because you want to talk about an active defender who just always makes the right decision. Yeah. That guy, like, he gambles as much as any player I've ever seen, and it just always works. Yeah. You know, that's not a thing that's supposed to happen. It's supposed to be yeah. when you gamble. And maybe that'll well, change against NBA competition. But, yeah, like, he is, yeah, Zion's incredible. I want him to play with Trey so badly, and it's so frustrating Agreed. that it probably won't happen. Yeah, um, if he gets, if the, if the Hawks lined up with him, like, yeah, go. I the Hawks are my second team now. Like just straight yeah. up, no yeah. doubt about it. Like <laughs> the Hawks, suddenly not, the Hawks become the most hated team of like fans of like I don't know like Virginia basketball or like Syracuse <laughs> basketball or like West yeah. Virginia basketball. Just any like school, just like any like hyper involved fan of like a mediocre college basketball team is mm-hmm. just like why is they why is ESPN always talking about Trey Young? Why is ESPN <laughs> always talking about Zion? Dude. Oh man. The yeah. coverage the, those two have gotten the last two years has been crazy. Yeah. But completely yeah. completely well, justified. Like, well yeah, because like the ev- like everybody made a lot of fun of the Trey Young stat bar that OU games had. Um, But I think it was probably topped by the no Zion bar that Duke games got. (laughs) Like a content warning at the bottom of the screen. Hey guys, this game doesn't have Zion Williamson in it. We're sorry. Yeah, it's like we know you were looking forward to seeing him, but yeah, he's out. Sorry guys. Yeah, that was, that's pretty great. Man, do we have any more Thunder thoughts? I think things got kind of depressing towards the end. Um, and I just want to say that nothing I said at the end is something that has been a recent development that I've thought. Like, all of it has been something that I've been concerned about for a while that I just haven't want, wanted to articulate because I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, 
I will say this, and this is actually going to come off as massively depressing, but it shouldn't. Um, <laughs> um, in like seven years, the th- like the thunder will be in a good spot because they'll have tr- because they'll have um, not Trey. Um, crap, <laughs> I've forgotten his name. Well, this is good. This is good podcasting. Who plays shooting guard? Terrence. Terrence? <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they were going to have Trey Young because he was going to come as a free agent. And I was no. Like, of course. I mean, course. who knows? Um, but, um, you know, it, it it also bugs the crap out of me that he says he's from Lubbock, Texas in intros. Oh, um, does he really? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, fuck, uh, Trey. Come on. <laughs> Come on! Hey, the um, NBA team in Lubbock, though, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it probably like they probably says it's from the University of Oklahoma or whatever. But when people ask him like what his hometown is, he says Lubbock. Right. Um, uh, but no, like this, like the Thunder will have Terrence and Jeremy, and as mm. to like, I think those are two really good veterans um, to help yeah. to. And they'll be fun to watch while the Thunder rebuild for the post-Russell Westbrook era. Um, and also yeah. Terrence and Jeremy, plus like a veteran Trey Young, would be an insanely fun basketball team. That'd be very good. And maybe Trey could get Zion to come with him, you know, because they like each other so much. Yeah. They would just much rather live in Oklahoma than Atlanta. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, that's that's all I got as far as hope is that at the end of the day, it's cool that Terrence Ferguson is going to be a good NBA player for the next like decade. Yeah, 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 cool. We're going to have a good, decent three and D shooting guard. Awesome. Well, exciting stuff. If I had told you that in 2015, how would you have felt? That the Thunder, pretty good, yeah. If I yeah, had I told you nothing good. else about the future, but the Thunder are going to find a great three and D shooting guard at the age of 20. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, Kevin will love that, man. Oh. God. Oh man. So sad. Uh, okay. So sad. Yeah, that's. All, I think that's all I've got. Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Are we ever going to talk about the draft? Are we going to do a draft podcast at some point? Talk about the NFL draft? I mean, I yeah. There's not a. There's not a, another one, is there? Like the NBA draft will eventually happen, but yeah, that's the one I care about. But um, yeah, I mean Kyler is probably gonna go. He could go number one. That that would be wild. That would be absolutely wild. Um, You know, eventually we might ought to talk about OU football again. Yeah, probably. I mean, spring spring football is coming up. I mean, it's literally it's already started. The spring game is coming up, so maybe we want to. We yeah. might want to get Nathan on and, and talk some string football. I think that would be smart long. of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, let on us the know. Oklahoma drill. Yeah. Let us know, listeners, um, what football news you'd like, what basketball discussion you'd like. Um, we're always happy to hear from our fans. Um, and speaking of our fans, I just I figured I'd take the time to say thank you for listening to this basketball-centric episode of the Oklahoma Drill. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store um, or on Podbean. Um, you can leave us a review on either on any of those platforms, and that would be great. Let us know what you think. Um, or you could share it with a friend if you really liked it and let, let them hear the thing you liked. Um, 
you can follow us on Twitter at Alex P. Purdy and at RW Maxi. Um, and that'll about do it for now. Um, we'll talk to you guys at a later date.